And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast, wherever you are listening to this, whether it is on my Patreon, which is five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony Mazer. I talk about all this uh, nonsense that's going on in the culture and politics and everything, the clown world that we are currently living in and uh, will continue to live in until more of us <laughs> start to speak out about it. But that's, um, yeah, that's what we'll do. Uh, on uh, here on YouTube, uh, I put uh, a podcast out for free every week, wherever you are listening to this, like I said, on YouTube or Patreon or uh, well, I put on Patreon for free, but Apple, Spotify, iHeart, uh, wherever you get your finer podcasts right now. And uh, pleased to be joined right now by somebody who uh, I've it's it's weird because I, I've had people on as like big guests, like blue checkmark, tens, hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers. And they don't really tweet too much. You know, Dave Attell might be one of the greatest comics of all time, but he's not really much of a, not really a, a Twitter guy. It's usually, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods. And it's usually his manager. But one of my Twitter followers and somebody who I love, not, not just reading, but watching his content. And he's up in the Pacific Northwest. He's out and he's on this podcast. He's a comedian and he's a, he's a great Twitter follow, and I want to get the handle out properly, but it's Chris Clark is my guest here on the podcast. Chris, good, good to finally talk to you and see your, see your face, uh, as opposed to all the <laughs> insane videos that we have uh, that you post all the time. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's nice to meet you as well. So, uh, so you're out there. First of all, uh, are you a lifer? Like, were you born and raised out in, because uh, you're outside of Portland, right? Yeah, I am now. I'm born and raised, yeah, just across the river in Vancouver, so the Washington State side. Lived in Portland for like close to a decade, though, after college. And uh, yeah, just always born and raised in this area. And you've probably seen this in your years of, of being there, where Portland and Seattle and because uh, I, I always start this where my wife and I have uh, kind of fallen in love with the town of Key West down in Florida. And the reason we did that was complete accident. It was 2020, you know, our favorite year, uh, 2020, we got married and we said, well, for our honeymoon, originally before all the, the COVID stuff, we were going to fly to Seattle, rent a car and take it all the way down the PCH to San Diego and just go to see, like spend a day in Seattle, spend a day in Portland, head on down to the, the see the Redwoods and San Francisco and wine country and go to LA. I've got some friends and some family who live down there and then go to uh, San Francisco or San Diego and fly out. Well, then 2020, you realize how authoritarian that uh, the uh, governors and the health directors and everything. And we kind of looked at each other and said, I don't think we're going back to the West Coast. We're not going to do this. And then the videos. And you were one of the people that I kept seeing these videos of what is going on in Portland. And I'm, I'm at the point where I don't even want to go to another town like Portland, Maine, Portland, Oregon. It's just ruined. It's ruined the name just based on these videos. So I, I guess the first question I want to ask you Based on what you post and based on what we hear about how uh, the, the feuds with Antifa and Proud Boys and everything, is Portland really as bad as the media makes it seem? Or is it just pockets that are very loud that we kind of uh, only get a, one side of the story? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I don't think the media covers it remotely accurately it's always one-sided obviously the media is very one-sided our local newspaper the oregonian is basically their biggest cheerleader they protect them constantly i think it's crazier 2020 was fucking nuts <laughs> i lived right off of burnside which cuts 
right down the middle of the city of Portland. And every single night at about six o'clock when they were done banging pots and pans for the nurses, you would hear the chants of like, no justice, no peace. And I'm not joking, thousands of people would just be marching through Portland, throwing shit through car windows, lighting fires, and there was just no police for four, five, six months. There was no police, there was nothing there. And then you amplify that with like our open uh, drug trade tent city markets we have in every corner of the city. You know, they trickles into like school neighborhoods and parks. You'll just see a hundred, a uh, hundred used needles in like a elementary school park. And you're like, this is just fucking nuts. And so people do kind of on the right exaggerate it and go like every left wing policy is going to lead to this, which is kind of bullshit. But at the same time, it is like they do protect them and they do pretend like it isn't the war zone that it is. I mean, you can't really go downtown still um, without expecting your car to get broken into and doing wow. it by a homeless person. Like the tourism has completely dropped up a map and everyone I know has moved away if they can. Um, yeah, it's fucking nuts. So it's one of those cases where I, I've heard this about people who live in San Francisco and people in New York and they, when outsiders, when Midwesterners, when just anywhere in the interior of the country, when they hear about San Francisco, it went from the Golden Gate Bridge and Lombard Street and, you know, going to see you know, Candlestick Park and seeing a 49ers game went to oh, I hear people just shit on the streets and there's nothing but used needles. Now, what you're saying about Portland basically is it's a mix of that. It's, yeah, there are some really nice areas of Portland, but yeah, there's also some pretty bad areas of Portland. And I say this as somebody from Ohio, born and raised, still live here. I have a lot of people that I know that always, whenever you get into a conversation, they say, you know what, there's a city I always wanted to check out. And it's usually not one of the big cities. They say, I always want to check out Portland. I've heard so many good things about it. And it just seems pretty inclusive. And it just seems like a cool, beautiful city. And I'm like, well, you're not watching the videos that I'm and reading the reports that I'm reading, apparently. <laughs> no, man, it's, I will give it this as someone, I do love the area, obviously. It's my home. It's been like third generation home. Um, it used to be, I literally, it was literally Trump broke this, the city and just like it kind of did the country around up until 2016, the city was like known for being chill. It was like a music capital. You know, you'd see a lot of indie bands break here. You'd Rose see, Garden. Yeah. You'd Rose Garden. We'd have our Portland Trailblazers. You'd have breweries. It was a big brewery town, foodie town. You know, it's kind of like if you want to live a city life, you know, go to cool restaurants, go to bars, cool music, entertainment, comedy. This was a place for it. And it was an affordable place to do that stuff. And then Trump hit and everything became chaos and everything was a fucking protest or march every week. And then it just kind of, you know, cracks along the line and then just exploded in 2020 to where it's like pretty much uninhabitable now. Like I'll go down there for work things, but you don't go down there just to like really get food or drinks anymore it's not hanging out yeah it's uh that's the one thing about portland i, I was talking a couple of years ago to uh, dave landau and we were in atlantic city and i was telling because i was talking about and now granted not a great example because it was january 2021 so you're still in the thick of the the COVID hysteria that was going on and especially when you're in a blue state 
they're going to be a little bit you know, more locked down than others, where this is the time when there were curfews at 10 o'clock because COVID didn't spread anywhere on, you know, before then, but at 10 one, if you're out somebody, <laughs> somewhere, you better watch out. It's like the black plague. And the, so I was talking to Dave about, I said, Atlantic city, this place is a shithole. Like what happened here? And he's like, well, here's, here's what happened is that back in the day, you basically had two places in the entire country to go to gamble, which was Vegas and Atlantic City. And if you lived in Pennsylvania, you lived in Tennessee, you lived in this side of the country, you could probably find a cheap flight to go to Vegas and spend a few days there. But you could also take a bus trip to go to Vegas. And that's what a lot of old people or I mean, Atlantic City. And they would do that. A lot of old people would go gambling and they would you know, play craps and blackjack and uh, the video poker. But then when everywhere started legalizing gambling the purpose of atlantic city went way down because what differentiated it from your hometown that also has a casino now that has everything and probably even better venues now because a lot of that stuff is outdated so the reason i mentioned that is that you look at portland and Asheville and some of these what were called hipster towns well now your local town has craft beer bars now your local town has flannel shirts and uh, guys with beards or mustaches. It, now your town has artisan this and craft that and this and this and this to the point where it's almost not necessary to go to Portland anymore or Asheville or other places. And it just doesn't seem like it's uh, where it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, where it's not distinct anymore. I was in, um, I was in Covington, Kentucky, which is just across the river from Cincinnati. And you walk around and it is total hipsterville. Covington, Kentucky. That if a place in Kentucky can take the concept that Portland, I guess, helped popularize in Williamsburg, there's no reason to go to those towns anymore because you just have to drive down the street. You know, what we've imported now, though, which is we are the destination for is that far left wing political activist type archetype of a person mm -hmm. that does live in Covington, Kentucky, that is like hardcore. I want to riot every single night. Um, I want to push these like crazy gender or sexual theories all day, every day. I really want to just go hardcore into that shit. We've imported those people. And then we've also imported because we legalized all drugs or at least decriminalized all of them. We've, we've brought in the mental patient, far left wing psychopath that's broken. And then you bring in the crazy drug addicts that are just getting free drugs, free housing, can kind of roam and run the city in the way they want. So we've kind of imported that culture now so now we're the hub of that shit oh that's 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 nice to have a badge for that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we are now though which is fucking crazy right like it's well so let's let's get to talking about that and then i want to play some of the videos that you post on your twitter account which are just hilarious <laughs> some of them are just that you saying good morning and it's a silly <laughs> video of like a guy falling through the ice or whatever but you also post some of the, you know, the people yelling at everybody for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or anything. And 2020, you said Trump really broke a town like Portland. And I think Trump broke a lot of towns for, again, really no reason other than the fact that what Trump was, and, and I'll say this to somebody, yes, I was a supporter of his. I didn't vote for him, but I did like what he was doing. I liked, I, I was somebody early on that said, I want to get away from the actual politicians and go to somebody who, I don't know, just, if anything, it's just going to entertain me. And he, what he was, was just a stand-up comic. He was a stand-up comedian, or he was like a radio call. Uh, he was like a talk show, ho talk show caller is what he was. 
and it, but did so as a president. But the freak out, and this is what I underestimated when I was on Twitter. I, I used to love Twitter. And when Trump decided to throw his hat in the ring, when he went down that golden escalator in 2015, I'm thinking to myself, the comedic value is just going to be endless because you could have people making jokes. You'll have people that, and then he realized, if you like Trump, you're a Nazi to the point where I, I wanted to get a hooded sweatshirt. I actually wanted a MAGA hat because I thought it was kind of silly. I'm like, he's, he's like one of us. He's a comic <laughs> and he's running for president. He's just an entertainer. He's a showman. And then he realized that you were, progressive friends are just like this guy is a no oh my god and then when he won i remember at my radio station that it was a morgue that day like people are like in fact we used to do uh wednesday meetings every, every wednesday at the time and one of uh, uh i think it was like a station manager who actually lives in portland now of all places she actually works at uh one of the christian stations that are in town and she's like, I, I don't even think we can have a meeting today. I just, this is just devastating. I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's a guy that you didn't vote for. It's not going to be that different. And let's be honest, it really wasn't that bad. We all survived. We all got through it. It's okay. But it broke people. And it not only broke people, it broke communities. It broke families. And then by 2020, you have a town like Portland where one thing I've railed against, and I know you have too, was that in 2020 is a it, it went from stay home, stay safe. If you got to go get your mail, you put your mask on, you do this, this and this until the summer of George, until George Floyd pops up and that whole situation to where politicians and governors or governors and health directors and everybody who told you for three months to stay home and watch Tiger King, they're now encouraging you. They're not just saying. Yeah, they were encouraging you that racism is a bigger virus than COVID. So get off the couch in March. And one of the biggest cities for that and has been since 2017, 2016 was Portland. And you're posting these videos like on site going I, again. I don't even want to cross the west of the Mississippi if, if this is what's going on now. Oh, man, it was insane. It was every night. And that was the craziest part is the encouragement by the powers to be like the same neighborhood. I'm swear to God, you couldn't go into a grocery store. There'd be like a giant Fred Meyer or Kroger, whatever you guys have out there. You could have like 20 people in at a time. But as soon as nightfall hit, you'd have 10,000 people on top of each other in and out of buildings, downtown, throwing Molotov cocktails through everything in the city. And it was just fucking nuts. And Trump did break the city. Um, election night, I didn't realize how crazy it was going to be, but election night, I did, I did a comedy show. And uh, on the side of me were all the TVs. It was like a shitty little bar show. And uh, they had all the election results on the, on the screen as I'm going up on stage, you know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And there's a whole lineup of blue-haired women just not happy to be there for a comedy show, just sulking and literally crying at the bar during the show just interrupting the show because they're actively crying during a comedy show because they're staring at the TV. And uh, I remember making a joke like, um, I feel you ladies, I wanted uh, the first female president so we could pay him a woman's salary or something like that. Like just made a quick joke, like just making fun of the situation. This woman just starts fucking screaming, throwing beer at me, like just lost their minds and it just broke that night. And then it just trickled down. The whole city just became this activist hub where... You can't you can't have an opinion anymore. You can't you can't do anything other than basically 
walk the party line. And yeah, man, it was fucking nuts. It's it was incredible because it, it really seemed like a lot of this stuff changed pretty quick where you were getting to a point because it wasn't just it, it wasn't just Trump. It was your neighbor is now evil. And that's what really bothered me was that if somebody, okay, your neighbor, your friend, your uh, your uncle, your mom and dad, and you find it's like at one time you, you could have been a liberal or a progressive and you can't you stopped over. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. And they're watching Bill O'Reilly. And you go, you kind of roll your eyes. You go, ah, whatever. That's OK. Then it got to the point where, oh, you watch Tucker Carlson. Well, then you're evil. Then you're this, this and this. And you, you just go, no, I'm the same person. All I wanted was, I, I think we have a little issue at the border or you, you know, there, there were certain issues or you didn't like the fact that there were career politicians and you wanted a little bit of a change and, or you were amused by Trump. Cause I know this with my father, I convinced him to go with Trump because he was a Ted Cruz guy. He liked Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. And I said, dad, you can't keep going along with these it, what, what are essentially as Nick DiPaolo would say, the Washington generals, all they're doing is it seems like it's controlled opposition. At least if you get this guy who's, in, who's nuts, he's like, well, yeah, he's a divorce. He's a blowhard. He's a typical New Yorker. I'm like, yeah, he is. But, you know, don't you want a little bit of a change? Well, that change came with a cost. And the cost was half your family is not going to want to talk to you anymore. Half your friends are going to unfollow you and block you. People who I used to have sane conversations with where we didn't agree politically, but we liked the same music. I saw that a few times where I, I would actually have somebody who would say, Tony, we don't always agree politically, but I like the fact that you like 90s rock. Like, great. So we have something in common. Yeah. Then it got to the point where fuck 90s rock and fuck you. We're done. I'm blocking you. I'm unfriending you. And when you unfriend and block somebody, you're cutting that person, even if you know them personally out of your life. And it just seemed like this was a huge swath that was going on in the country. And it created these echo chambers in a place like Portland that becomes just ground zero for this hysteria, this authoritarian hysteria that was happening. And, and then I, I, next thing I wanted to ask you about is that this talk about Antifa. So two years ago, when we're recording, this was around the time of the debates for the 2020 presidential debates. And when uh, Trump brings up Antifa and, of course, Biden, who has somebody in his ear telling him that Antifa is not an organization, it's an idea. And I'm like, what? Antifa is, is only an idea? Like, no, shouldn't we all be Antifa? Like what Chris Cuomo said, we're all Antifa. No, we're not because it's an organization. Now, you actually see it out there. You've seen Antifa on the ground. It isn't just an idea. No, it's a violent gang and that can basically do whatever the fuck it wants whenever it wants, because it's backed by the DNC. It's backed by corporations. It's backed by every mainstream media. They all want them to cause chaos, to push their far left wing policies. They're the foot soldiers of the party. They I grew up here in the 90s in Portland where we had floods and crypts. And so I got to see that trickle up from LA where they all came up north. And I, I saw that gang violence impact on the city. And then for 20 years, we didn't have that until Antifa came. And now we have this intimidation tactics. They're, you know, lighting buildings on fire. They're doing things like um, one of the local community members, they organize a thing to clean up the different like tent city sites because there's just needles everywhere. And so 
to push their far left wing policies about open drugs and about letting them camp wherever the fuck they want. They literally went to these community places that were like basically doing hazard cleanup and they burn their buildings down. Nobody gets charged. They get slap on the wrist and they basically just terrorize anyone. So if you come out, so for me coming out like this, it does put a target on my back and it does suck because Antifa is a giant organization. And I don't think people quite understand that. There's a guy like Andy No that kind of understands that. And he's kind of reported on it. But I mean, it's in the tens of thousands of people that probably are associate or are members of it in Portland Metro alone. Um, wow. It's every, you know, every barista, bartender. Luckily, you can kind of spot them. They're still wearing masks while they're out at a bar. <laughs> like, I swear to God, like 50% of people in bars and restaurants still wear masks. And you can kind of point them out now. So you kind of go, oh, that's the enemy. That's the enemy right there. But it is. They terrorize the city. They terrorize old people. They just want to go to work. Like, because they're driving a pickup truck. And that assumed they means that they're a right-wing Nazi. Like, they're a violent group that should be dealt with accordingly. I hate... I wouldn't say I hate the Proud Boys, but they're just kind of a clown show distraction to an extent, extent all these right-wing groups that kind of try to counterbalance them. All they do is just create a narrative that goes, see, they're violent right-wingers. They antagonize them. More. Yeah, and it's, they're, they're, they're a clown show on their, on their end too. Like, I think they're idiots, but yeah, they terrorize the city. They can do whatever they want. They burn down our mayor. They, they lit a fire in the lobby of our mayor's condo building. And our mayor of Portland had to move to the Oregon coast to get away from him. That's unbelievable. <laughs> and the mean, this is, you want to talk about inmates and, running the asylum. Yeah. And they can do whatever they want. Cops can do nothing. I have friends that are police officers. They literally will get charged with crime if they try to, they'll like, you know, they're doing they're kind of like the Derek Chauvin thing. Like you, you make the cops the enemy. And if they try to stop any type of crime or violence, they'll be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. So that lets these terrorist groups kind of roam wild and they know that they can do whatever they want. And they got to stand down because police chiefs are essentially politicians and they're told that, <laughs> look, we, we kind of yeah. have to do this. And I've, that's what really bothered me. And this is, look, I'm the son and grandson of a police officer here in Cleveland, Ohio. And I am somebody that I, I when they talked about defund the police, I'm like, well, this should be a nuanced thing, which, of course, now by 2022, by the midterms, now you have Stacey Abrams and you have some of these that two years ago that were calling for not only defunding, but abolishing police departments are like, eh, maybe we should start to fund these uh, police officers. But I'm somebody that if you were a if you were a, a, a police officer or a police department that arrested rabbis and pastors for holding services without social distancing or without requiring masks or at least making them optional. Um, if you were arresting a rabbi, like you saw the guy up in uh, Canada, mm -hmm. but you stood down because of Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning down cities and throwing Molotov cocktails through government buildings and tearing up anywhere between a, a target to your local hardware store and you stood down, then you should be defunded. If you're going to stand down to that, then fine. I want all of your money and I want the police department abolished and we create our own police force. We create our privatized police force. And uh, I mean, like, what's the answer? If, if the cops are not doing their jobs in these far left-wing cities, I would think that there should be even more blue flu that happens. Yeah, I agree. And the the truly evil aspect of all that stuff about 
them slowly trickling trickling away like at all protective measures of like keeping your family and community safe the really evil part is the fact that they're still pushing and coordinating different events i would say to push towards gun control so if you're going to get rid of cops this is kind of where i guess i'd lead more libertarian than let me protect myself and my family and become let us become an armed society let us protect ourselves you know you see like new york city where they can't protect themselves and they're getting 300 kicked onto the railroad tracks or whatever every single day and their throats slashed by crazy homeless people because there's no threat of defending themselves you don't see that in dallas texas you know and that's what i that drives me insane about that left wing defund the police and especially because they're all lying scumbags that have hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar private security that gets exposed constantly and everybody just goes oops oh well they're a public figure they deserve that private security but the rest of you guys the plebes you guys get none you get none yeah, that's that. And, and what's funny is how the heel turn ended up popping up uh, where when you find out the progressives like far left progressives, Marxists are the true real racists. Like I see that in Georgia, where that that uh, John Fetterman running for Senate, uh, who is a literal stroke victim who can't string a sentence together, but he's fine. <laughs> he's improving. But Herschel Walker, he's uh, this guy. He doesn't speak well. It's like, oh, so black guy can't speak good. Really? Oh, okay. That's when you start to see the real, it starts coming around. You see who the real racists are, but the black lives matter thing, all that and critical race theory. And, you know, and even if we're not using critical race theory, because that's, that's their get out of jail card, no pun intended is the, by saying, well, no, we don't teach critical race theory with a registered trademark, but they are teaching it. But even worse now is this queer theory that's happening in schools. And, uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna pull up the this story. Well, let me take this logo off here. I wanted to pull up this uh, here. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, we're we're recording this. It's gonna be on YouTube as well. So if you're only listening to this, well, we'll read out what's happening. But I want to share this screen here because of what's been going on right now in society. Let me go back to this. Where is this? Share this. Okay. So California becomes first sanctuary state for transgender youth seeking medical care. This is today or yesterday, October 18th, when we're recording this. And so it says California is the first state in the nation to create a sanctuary for transgender youth seeking gender affirming care. Governor Gavin Newsom signed into a new law in September that ensures transgender kids from elsewhere can safely access hormones and puberty blockers here. Legislation also shields families from child abuse investigations or from being criminally processed for seeking, uh, prosecuted for seeking gender affirming care. So if it's happening in California, you know damn well it's going to be happening in Oregon and Washington and a couple of places, which the same thing they want to do with abortion as well, that they would become the Disneyland for, (laughs) oh, you you want an adedictomy or a chopadicophamy. How is this, uh, how is the trans and non-binary stuff happening in Oregon? Is this exploding as well? Exhausting. Yeah, it's, I'm not going to lie. Like, so if you, if you talk to someone that lives in Portland proper, like a progressive Portland couple as a kid, one in three, maybe one in four kids are trans. And that might be under-exaggerating. Like it's become, like, it's like everything else becomes this fad. And it's a bad it's goth. It's goth. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, how, how old are you? 
35. So, okay. So we're about the same age. So we kind of grew up in the time where there was goth and emo were big during the high school years. <laughs> yes. And I remembered seeing some of my friends who were pretty normal going into freshman year that by sophomore year had black hair, wore fishnets, black fingernails, fingernail polish. And then, you know, give, give it a couple of years. And by the time college ends, yeah, they're not listening to him. They're not listening to uh, Mushroom Head or Cannibal Corpse anymore. They went and kind of had a normal life because it was a phase. Well, the phase right now, and I, who was I talking to somebody recently that said, basically half of anyone who's identifying as trans or non-binary, it's just attention. It's I'm bored. I'm a bored white person in a middle to upper middle class suburb. And this is the thing to do in school is that... Uh, yeah, no, I guess I'm trans. I guess I'm non-bi. I'm an NB is what they say, you know, I'm because they can't I've be a, they that. can't be a BIPOC. So they have to have some be a part of some kind of marginalized group. And it just seems in Portland when it comes to identity politics, that is overflowing those Pacific Northwest towns. It just again, from afar, that's what I'm seeing. But the, that's why I wanted to have you on, because I wanted to see if I, my feelings on this area are being confirmed or not. Oh yeah, for sure. And we, all, my friends and I, always joke that they're scene kids, like you just described. We call them like scene kids in high school. You know, mm-hmm. they're into that music. And yeah, you're right though. It is because they are, they get attention now. They become a popular kid. Before you had to be a 4.0 student, be great at sports, bust your ass learning how to play an instrument to become, you know, a special person in the school or whatever your talent is. You had to become a talented person to kind of separate yourself. And now it's just, you go, oh, I identify as this, or I'm bisexual, pansexual. You can just put yourself in these little boxes. And now you become like a little celebrity at your school and your parents give you more attention and you become this like person that matters now, which is kind of depressing that that's where it gets to in society that you have to do these extreme gender or sexual things to get, you know, mommy and daddy to notice you. But um, it's it's pretty brilliant if you think about it, because of how big the alphabet mafia is now that you can be somebody that is um, a a marginalized, quote unquote, marginalized victim while also wielding power over everybody else. mm -hmm. And it was kind of the same thing during covid is that you had these Karens who were wearing three masks on their face, yelling at you because you weren't wearing one outside. And they're saying, I can't believe you're trying to kill me. I have an immuno, I'm immunocompromised. I'm this, I'm like, then don't leave the house. So what yeah. you're doing is you're a victim, but you're also trying to wield power over me. And you just notice that, wait a second here, you're projecting everything that you hate about straight cisgender white people <laughs> is really what you're doing. Everything that you're accusing us of, you're the ones that are doing it. Hundred percent. They Democrats, liberals, progressives—they always play the Saul Alinsky playbook of call out others, your enemies, whatever that may be. For rules what for radicals. Doing. Yeah, rules for radicals. They do that every single time. And once you know the playbook, as someone that was a comic until COVID, basically, you know, you call them out on it. You can see the playbook every time, and you can call them on their shit, and then they have a meltdown. But that's kind of what it is, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 gotten crazier to be honest. Like um there's a lot more like trans only restaurants and stuff and coffee shops now. Like they'll literally in Portland be like explicitly no white men. And you're like, how is that a legal business practice? But so that is happening. So this oh, isn't yeah. this isn't just like when they when I heard uh John Oliver talking about the other day about uh 
Well, you know, they, they keep bringing up this rumor about uh, litter boxes in schools. It's not happening, but it's one of those classic examples of this isn't happening, but if it is, it would be wonderful. So it is happening that they're excluded. I'm sure they're probably having commencement ceremonies that are just only for people of color. Is that that? So that really is all happening in Portland right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, that's another one. Yeah. The people of color uh, graduation only thing. Like these are safe spaces only for people of color or marginalized groups. So they always just that's again back to the woman or gay white person group. They'd be go, I'm a marginalized person too now. And now I can become this wielding of power community like in the city or whatever group it is on a campus like it is crazy yeah it's absolutely insane (laughs) it wasn't uh i think there was a story i don't know if it was portland i'm pretty positive at least it was oregon uh and you might remember this it was and i'm probably butchering the story but if i recall it was two white women went down to maybe Mexico and had such a great time that they had a concept of having a food truck of like a Mexican, authentic Mexican food truck. And they got canceled before that term was even really popularized. They got canceled because they were culturally appropriating Mexican culture. Does this ring a bell at all? It doesn't, but that's how absurd the city is that that doesn't, that sounds like every Tuesday I hear a story like that. (laughs) Something that's just not uncommon like you'll hear that constantly it's so funny when you think these are people that are very what we call very online people mm-hmm. these are people that are spending way too much time on social media that they don't walk outside their home and get a breath of fresh air and bill maher had a segment over the summer where he was talking about the the explosion of trans that's happening and he said is california is california creating them or is ohio suppressing them and we have our share of lunatics in the blue cities in Ohio. We've got a couple of colleges here and we've got big cities that start with the C in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati. But the rest of the state is, it's not even red, it's crimson. It's very deep red. And it's not because there's a trans person who's afraid of coming out because they're afraid of getting beaten because that narrative of course is completely flawed because who are beating up trans people? It's usually black people and it goes against their narrative. And why are they getting, it's usually drugs. It's usually a drug situation that's happening. So we don't want, just like with Stop Asian Hate, we don't want to get to the bottom of Stop Asian Hate. We just want to cl- club people because Trump said China virus. Um, so in Ohio, it's not so much that, yeah, there are situations where there are trans kids and uh, that are popping up and the, dr- the drag queen story time, which I'm sure there's probably, there's probably five going on as we record this right now in Portland, but <laughs> in Ohio it's, yeah, it's there, but it's n- pe- a lot of people just don't care. They're looking at how they're going to afford their bills right now. They're looking at, wow, gee, gas went back up to $4 a gallon. How are we going to pay this? They don't really care about these ridiculous issues, but when you start to see these college towns and these big blue states and big blue cities, that they're so focused on January 6th and trans this and that, as opposed to, you know, stuff that actually matters. 100%. 100%. Like, um, I would say like Gen X and millennials, I, would, I think I'd probably fall on millennials, you might as well. We're, we were born and raised, like our heroes were black athletes or Elton John. Like you weren't, there was none of this identity politics. Ken Griffey Jr., for God's sake. Ken Griffey Jr., we, yeah. We grew up with Ken Griffey Jr. As it, 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 even in Ohio, when we had the team once known as the Cleveland Indians, by the way, that had to get changed. 
uh, everyone's second favorite player besides their favorite on their own team was Ken Griffey Jr. And it didn't matter that he was black. It, it, no. None of that ever mattered. None of this really popped up until like 2011, I feel like, again. Like it got just like, again, it, it ties back into the Occupy Wall Street movement where they wanted to get all the eyes off of them as the mm-hmm. 1%. And now it becomes identity politics. And then you separate and conquer and divide. And that's how it always becomes. And people don't seem to see it. And it's nuts. And um, the Pacific Northwest is very red outside of the cities. They're working class people. They're loggers. They're farmers. They're none of them will say anything horrific about a trans or gay person or a black person. That's just this crazy political online narrative that this is what right wing people do. They're all people that are struggling to put gas in their car, pay their bills, pay for their groceries and maybe go on a vacation every three or four years. Like these aren't people that are gay bashing. They're not they're not dragging gay people behind their pickup trucks. They, you know? they just don't care. They say you it doesn't, it's not a priority. Life, do whatever you most important thing to them. They care about feeding their family and putting a roof over their head. They don't care about how you identify if you want to shit in a litter box. Like they don't care about that stuff. It's not important to them. Jack Posobiec had this maybe a year ago, because it's funny you mentioned about Occupy Wall Street, because I think this all happened at the same time. I I interviewed Christian Toto, who is Hollywood on Toto on Twitter. He does a great job. He does a lot of reviews. And he had a book that came out earlier this year called, I think it was called Truth Bombs or Woke Bombs. I'm butchering it. I apologize, Christian. But his... We were talking about where did this genesis of the political correctness happen, where the liberal, remember the classical liberal was pro free speech, Berkeley, Kent State, all these other uh, campuses that were in the 70s and the 80s, the Harvard Lampoon would do some outrageous stuff in the 70s and 80s. And then those same people just tightened their sphincters and became like the biggest book burners and pilgrims and uh, you know, uh, absolute Mennonites that were that were popping up. And when did this change? And I think you started seeing a little bit in the mid 2000s where we went from the conservatives who were upset about songs that had to do with uh, like Rage Against the Machine after 9-11. We got to start banning these off of clear channel stations because it doesn't seem appropriate after what happened on 9-11. And Janet Jackson's tit that falls out on uh, at the Super Bowl. That was Republicans that were kind of like, oh, whoa, we can't have this. This is outrageous. Then a couple of years later, you had Don Imus. And Don Imus goes and says, oh, nappy-headed hoes. <laughs> and then who are the people that were offended? It turned almost on a dime to yeah. the point where those same liberals that are like, yeah, that was a stupid joke from a stupid hack morning radio guy to he needs to be fired. And he needs to go to Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson and figuratively and literally kiss his ass. And it was, I mean, they did the whole South Park episode, the Naggers episode, which was great. (laughs) And then it just continued to the point where when did the woke stuff? So you started seeing PC pop up, but when did the woke nonsense? And Jack Posobiec brought this up. He said right around the Occupy Wall Street, there was a TV show called Glee. And the fans of Glee were such super rabid fans are usually gay and they were the marginalized either gay or bisexual or at the time you know were you transsexual or transvestite we were still using trans but not as trans what gender is what we have it now 
And it got to the point where if you said you didn't like Glee, you would have these super fans start attacking you going, how dare you? You're homophobic. You don't understand. This show is, it's not just a TV show. It's important. And then you go, "Uh oh, we have now reached, we have now jumped this chasm of holy crap. Now we have TV shows. Instead of saying that I'm entertained by the show or the show stinks that I'm not going to watch it anymore. It's if you don't watch this show, you're the problem with America. And what do you have now? You have Billy Eichner has a movie called Bros that nobody went to see after over $50 million in publicity and to make the movie. And whose fault is it? Well, of course, it's you and me because we're just a bunch of homophobic weirdos. So all of this woke stuff, which seeps out of California, seeps out of Hollywood and and Madison Avenue, is gotten to your, you know, and, and a lot of people in the middle of the country have rejected it. Unfortunately, where you're located, they're embracing it. Oh yeah, it's nonstop, and yeah, you are you're a bigot, you're a racist if you don't want to watch this. Like, it's it's crazy, and it's I did see the Pasovic thing. He does pull receipts all the time of him battling with the Glee people back in 2012 or 2013 all the time, and he goes, yep. he goes, this was the point I knew that this was like a change in the culture, and I always thought that was interesting. And something like Bros, it's just like it's a terrible example because it just looked like a terrible movie that nobody wanted to watch. And you see people all the time talking in reference to like Brokeback Mountain. That was like one of the all time highest grossing movies because it was like a cage story birdcage. Great, hilarious movie. Again, they put this thing on you, you get a scarlet letter. And so you have to, it's very communist thing of you have to toe the party line and what's acceptable in the culture, or you get a scarlet letter and you get unpersoned from social media, from your friend group, from your family, you lose your job, you know, it's, you have to do, and they just push it along. It's like a little, like a cruise ship. They just steer it a little direction here and there. And then at some point you go, if you're not letting your four-year-old throw $1 bills on a mentally ill gay guy that has his cock out at a bar, then you're a piece of shit that needs to be fired from their job and maybe do a little bit of time in jail. Like it's, it's a crazy how we've gotten to that point, but yeah. Yeah. The, the whole thing with uh, <laughs> when you talk about the uh, abiding by everything, you think about the birdcage birdcage. Yeah. It was a hilarious movie, Nathan Lane, Robin Williams, but here's the problem is we like it, but now it's not woke enough. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1996 and Hank Azaria, who's playing the cook, well, he's not actually gay and he's also not, uh, you know, who he says he is in the movie. So therefore, we're going to start to start to wipe things out and start canceling. So it's even though, yes, the performers, including Gene Hackman, is in drag at the end of the movie. And it's it's funny. That's what it was. Drag was funny. It was your your weird neighbor or, you know, a closeted gay guy or whatever would dress up and uh, Harvey Corman used to do it in the 70s on the Carol Burnett show. You'd have like, be like this big bosomy uh, woman with outrageous makeup and go, yeah, how's it going, everybody? It's and a caricature. It silly, but Bugs Bunny would dress up as a woman. It was not a culture. It was a culture. So RuPaul was doing it. And again, it was like RuPaul was an entertainer. That's what it was. And then up until we're starting to see the, and again, I have no problem. You want to be gay. You want to be trans. You want to dress in drag. You want to dress as a a big chested and big butt woman. You God bless you. If that makes you happy, I'm fine with that. That's where I'm libertarian, but it's when they start affecting the kids. 
And when I, when I saw that a few years ago with that, Desmond is amazing. A nine-year-old kid having gay men in a club throwing dollar bills as he is his little Desmond, who's nine years old, is dancing to Gwen Stefani. And we're supposed to, as a culture, go, well, that's just no- not only is that normal, that should be celebrated. No, yeah. no, no. And a, a lot of people are really finally starting to reject this. And you're almost kind of seeing a little bit of a culture change now where we saw it about, like you said, 10, 12 years ago, you're starting to see a little bit of a backlash against that culture because now you've pushed people to the point where they're like, yeah, no, no, we're not, we're not having uh, men who, you know, having uh, outrageous names and outfits and essentially twerking and teabagging at my child's <laughs> library in kindergarten. No, that's that was the wildest part of having What's that? No, uh, that's the wildest part is they just they just started in libraries. That's like some real evil stuff. Yeah, it's but, where uh, the kids can learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to learn. It is crazy. Uh, we talked about people earlier about being too online, and one of the things that does drive me nuts a little bit is about people that are older because they have you know lives and they're busy. Is there are people that aren't online enough that don't know this is going on and there are friends that are parents grandparents whatever and i share these stories with them over and over because like every couple of days in portland area there's some crazy story about a drag queen story hour or because there's like you said there's probably 27 drag queen story hours going on every day in the portland metro area and i'll send these stories to my friends that are parents and being like this is going on kind of in your school district. Do you know this is going on? They have like, I have no, I have no clue this is going on. I didn't, I didn't know this was going on. I thought you were just joking. When you send them dozens of news stories over and over and over again, it's finally they finally go, wait, what are they doing with kids? Like they're not just they're not just having a sex ed class or you know having a couple of days about like oh there are gay people and trans people and all this stuff. There's not like an educational thing. It's like the word that you're not allowed to say on Twitter now, which is groomer. Like they will suspend your account if you use the word groomer. You can't use it on Reddit either. <laughs> Reddit, that's crazy. Yeah, Reddit was the first one. They said that there, people are talking about it too much. We got if we're going to have our bots in charge, and if you say groomer, we're going to bounce you off the platform. Wow, and that's the perfect word for it. And uh, you try to explain that to people, and they just they disassociate and they go, "That's not going on." I can't believe that's not that's not true. That's not going on. And then you show it to them enough, and then you're like, "Okay." This is a problem. And that's what some thank God for a thing like lives of TikTok, which is constantly under fire. Um, but for what? It, all all they're it. doing is putting a mirror up to them. Going, and yeah, here you go. This exactly is what you're doing. What doing. Saying. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the craziest part. And that's and then like or like when you see a parent at a school board meeting reading like gender queer, that book that they have in all the libraries that has like two dudes sucking each other off as like really important learning material for third graders. <laughs> And they'll be reading the lines from the book and the school board people will shut them down saying it's inappropriate, it's offensive. And you're like, we're literally just putting a mirror up to what you're showing our kids and demanding that they learn. Like, I'm a 44 year old woman, like I should be able to read this. Like, and that's what's crazy about the culture right now is like, if you question anything or you put a mirror back on them, you're a scumbag that needs to be canceled. And instead of them being like, okay, maybe we need to recorrect what we're doing. Maybe people have issues with this. It, they don't and that's what's crazy it's yeah. all just chaos it's non-stop what, headache and chaos in culture right now it, it was funny i talked to uh comedian adam nutter who also does a pretty libertarian podcast and i i had him on a couple of weeks ago talking about this and i said what was the goal and he said he, he believes a lot of this was to normalize pedophilia 
where we're not calling them pedophiles. They're called maps now, minor yeah. attractive persons. And so what you do is, as I always say, one thing in, in communism is you change the language first, then you change the culture. So when you start, when you stop calling men, men and women, women and pedophiles, pedophiles, and you start saying all these other things and that men, men can get pregnant too. And, you know, women have a penis. You start to change that language, which in turn will help change the culture. And that's what has been going on. So it almost seems like when in the, in the eighties, during the gay scare, during AIDS, when you had the the televangelists that were going up there talking about gay marriage. And they said, we can't normalize this. And a lot of us, including myself, were kind of rolling our eyes and going like, come on, you're just a dinosaur. It's like, whatever, <laughs> if gay, if two consenting adults want to get married, it doesn't matter if they're gay or straight, they should be able to. But then, but what they were also warning was the slippery slope. And they said, the slippery slope seems like it's going to lead towards normalizing NAMBLA and pedophilia. And where are we at here in 2022? That slippery slope. I mean, they grease the skids on that thing. And oh, here we are right now to the point where we're justifying. I mean, I mean, Nambla may as well be a uh, <laughs> like a celebrated group in our society. It's sick. Well, importantly, the, the, back to South Park, they were making fun of Nambla in like 1999. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see it in Portland all the time. They, there's the constant push. Um, I have a friend of mine, she is a sex trauma therapist, and she deals with all these MAPS people. And there's a big push, especially in the psych community, academic community, and then in like liberal activist groups to completely normalize pedophilia as like a normal thing. It's a sexual orientation. And it's not a theory. Like they're like, no, we need to sell, you know, child sex dolls. We need to make child friendly porn for adults like there's this complete normalization in the culture to let it go off the rails and normalize these people that probably should be tossed into wood chippers as heroes that are mar again everybody if you just use the phrase i'm a marginalized group now you're a hero you're backed by the liberal media you're backed by academia you're backed by hollywood dc madison avenue you're a hero it's sick because yeah, you, you've created your own marginalized group where, yeah, like you said, and, and there's a lot of cases where pedophilia and it has been going on for a long time, including, your, your, well, I, Milo Yiannopoulos mentioned it a couple of years ago, and he got banned for, for it by saying it's very common in the gay community to have a an older gay man, and not older, I'm not talking about 50s or 60s, I'm talking about you're 13 and someone's 19 and that they essentially groom you and kind of show you the ropes. I understand that you're going through the change, you're going through puberty and you're finding out that uh, your male friends are more attractive or they're and they're attracted to women, but you're not attracted to what, whatever the case is, that they kind of take them under their wing and they return the favor in a lot of ways. Milo got canceled for it, but it's a pretty common practice. And here's the other thing, because this happens in the black community a lot. Like when you tell people, I, I guess a lot of, you know, when uh, white, straight white people, when they say like, how old were you when you lost your virginity? And most would probably say like 16, 17, 18. In the black community, especially in the hood, you're talking about 10, 11. And that this is going on because of it's, it's an older relative or friend of the family that, quote unquote, breaks them in. 
Yeah. And which is why a lot you notice during the Me Too movement, black women weren't out and active during this. This was all a white woman thing because it just seemed like that that was a part of the culture. And unfortunately, that that had been going on for a while that nobody wants to touch. But it is pedophilia and it is normalized in certain cultures. The problem is, well, I mean, the problem besides everything that I had listed, but even <laughs> worse is that we are getting to we really are going down that slippery slope and it's continuing to the point where, look, this person is a minor attractive person. They're a taxpayer. You know, they pay their they pay their mortgage every month and, you know, their student loans. They're a part of this society. So what if they're attracted to a 16 year old? What's the difference really uh, in body and mind between a 16 year old and an eight year 18 year old? And you just go, yeah, no, we uh, like I see libertarians talking about age of consent. And I'm like, let's see, this is why this is why you lose every election. This yeah. is how. But this is where we are. At. This is where we're at. What do you do? Where where do you go when you get to the point where we're going to normalize pedophilia in our society? Yeah, I totally get it. Um, I've seen and heard the argument many times in Portland that a minor attracted person, a pedophile, is much more of a reasonable person to have in your community and than a conservative. Like, I would rather have pedophiles in my neighborhood than someone with a Trump flag because they at least agree with my political ideology in general. I'd rather have I'd rather have a pedophile than a Nazi is literally like the phrase I hear all the time in Portland and they've literally just normalized it. I mean, it's become a thing like Milo. The reason he got canceled was because he was a Republican, a staunch conservative type. Like, and he said that he said that on Rogan about him getting basically groomed and him laughing it off. is like not a big deal, you know, but because he was conservative, he got canceled. Yeah. If, if he was a liberal talking head that came out and said, you know, I got groomed, ha ha ha. He would be on all the talk shows. He'd still be on social media. Like do speaking tours at Berkeley and not be canceled, yeah. not have everything get burned to the ground. A hundred percent. And that's what's crazy in our society. And at some point there's got to be a tipping point. Um, I don't know what it is, but it does feel like it's shifting quite a bit. Um, you can only mess with people's kids so long before instincts kick in, even if it's like like them willing to move their family or quit their job and go somewhere else to a different community instead of having them, you know, be groomed perpetually. So and that's when you change the language of where you call all of your political opponents Nazis. It's the yeah, it's the supply and demand. It's supply and demand is that when you start to say that. Uh, everybody I dislike is a Nazi. Everybody I dislike is Hitler. And when you realize that how many true Nazis, how many true white supremacists are in, the, in this country? I'm not saying there are zero, but it's yeah. a pretty statistical, statistically close to zero. Yes, I understand there's racist, there's horrible people out there. We saw it with Dylan Roof and people who will attack somebody because of the color of their skin and because of their, their background. It, it, it's terrible. It's unfortunate we still have to go through that in this country. But let's not think that your neighbor is one of those because it's the supply and demand. They demand Nazis because they want to punch people. They want to punch their political opponents. The problem is there's very few Nazis out there for them to punch. They've punched them all. So you get to the point where you're like, okay, well, we want to keep punching people. And they're <laughs> like, oh, well, we don't have enough Nazis. So what about the person who voted for Trump? What about the person who is a pro, pro-lifer? What about the person who cares about the Second Amendment? What about the person who cares about the First Amendment and the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment? And then it gets to the level where uh, there, there was an MSNBC guest this past week who was saying that 
there's now uh, there's people who are pro-democracy and pro-fascism in this country. And when what the, he's saying is anyone who's a far left progressive is pro-democracy. And if you're not in that camp, it doesn't even matter if you're a conservative Republican or a libertarian or you just do not abide by all this woke nonsense that's happening, then you're considered a fascist, which is, again, funny because that's what they're doing is they're trying to change the language. Anyone who I disagree with is a fascist, racist, homophobe, xenophobe, uh, Hitler lover, you know, whatever. And there is a pushback. I'm glad it's happening right now, but there would be a bigger pushback if people weren't afraid of losing their jobs. That's what it really comes down to. 100 percent that's what it is same with the by the way same with the vaccine stuff is that more people would have been speaking out about the masks and the lockdowns but they were afraid that they were going to lose their job so they're afraid of mentioning the trans stuff and black lives matter because if they do then you're going to have somebody say is this your employee who posted this on their facebook how would you uh, i can't believe you're employing a nazi and all these hr departments and these companies don't want bad publicity so they're like oh okay okay we'll, we'll fire him we'll fire him. he's gone he's gone uh, uh well we would like to say that tony Mazer does not work at this facility anymore over some comments that he made on his twitter account or behind a paywall in his patreon and uh we apologize to any marginalized groups so they've raked people over the barrel. So it, it really gets to a point where people have to just stop being afraid of losing their jobs and sticking up for their own integrity uh, or else this is just going to continue. hundred percent. And that's why I've been so frustrated in the last few years with people with fuck you or fuck me money that don't stand up and say these things that can get canceled or I mean, getting canceled, you have to just like kind of allow that to happen. But it is really frustrating where, I have friends that have lost jobs because of the, the vaccine stuff. Like, especially if they work for government or work for the state guys do a podcast with Nate, he worked for the state of Washington for almost 20 years, um, lost his job because he didn't want to get the vaccines. And that's just how crazy it is. He stood up and was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I have some medical conditions. I have some religious objections. And if you have a religious objection that isn't a woke religion, then you are, you know, persona non grata, you lose your job. And when just, you say woke religion, it's basically if you're uh, like Rastafarian or something. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, oh, oh, you're you're the religion that smokes weed. Oh, sorry, we won't we won't mess with black people because. Uh, <laughs> but if but if you're a Christian or if you're a Jewish uh, and you have a medical exemption, now we're throwing that out the window. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite parts of like 20, 2021 with all the stop Asian hate stuff. Is that it just took enough of us retweeting every video of a black dude being the shit out of an Asian person in San Francisco or New York for them. Literally they were holding like, I don't know if you watch football or not, but like during the NFL games, every other commercial was for stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. And it was always directed at straight white men. Like it was like, it was our fault. Straight white men are the ones beating the shit out of Asians and in, in the inner cities. It's like, it took enough people like kind of coming back to like standing up to it. It took enough people retweeting it or reposting on their Facebook or whatever being like, don't with no comment just reposting the video and been like took enough eyes to be like oh wait maybe this is something that's not comfortable to talk about but this is what's going on in our culture and our society they just don't want to get to the bottom of why it's happening or who's perpetrating it that's why i said earlier that because trump said kung flu and uh, because there was some lunatic who shot up a massage parlor and six of the eight people he shot were asian that we had to have stop asian hate campaigns but 
who are the people who are throwing Asians on railroad tracks uh, in New York City on the subways or in San Francisco and other places? Or same, it's the same people who are attacking the Jews and the, the trans people and the gays. But yeah. again, we don't want to get to the bottom of what's happening, because if we do, we are going to look racist. We're going to have to oh, well, you can't. It seems like it's a disproportionate amount. And yeah, it is disproportionate. That's why we're bringing it up. We would like to get to the bottom of stop Asian hate. You clearly don't want to stop Asian hate if we don't want to get to the bottom of it. And it, it, it's sad because when it's a marginalized group attacking another marginalized group, you have to start looking at this woke hierarchy. And we've what we've come down <laughs> to is the woke hierarchy is at a weird level where who's the more oppressed in our society? And we use oppressed in quotes. And of course, trans is now at the top. It's way overtaken gay and lesbian. I mean, that's forget about that. That's yesterday's news. Uh, and then there's like a there's like a dogfight between Jews and blacks at who's uh, more <laughs> more oppressed. That's why the whole Kanye thing was very interesting. It's like he's getting attacked by Jewish people, but Jews are the one. Whatever it's going back and forth, and it's kind of funny. And I'm just sitting here doing the Michael Jackson popcorn gif of just like go ahead. <laughs> You, yeah. you go ahead. <laughs> you eat your own right now. I think at some point, yeah, they're just going to eat each other. And it's kind of entertaining to sit back and just watch that, like watch them grovel and apologize. And one of my favorite new movements is the lesbians against trans because they're though a lot of these women, these like very vocal lesbians that grew up in the 80s and 90s that were treated like shit and that were like actually marginalized, mm -hmm. you know, that were maybe tomboys. They're They're frustrated with the fact that you're immediately putting them on chemical castration drugs giving them surgery and not letting them become a lesbian woman and that's a fun hierarchy battle i've been watching a lot on online the turfs yes oh it's the best i love watching that especially in portland where you see it a lot i grew up I just don't I, I don't see enough of it because i i would want to see more gay men come out against the the grooming and the the minor attractive persons because it's making gay men look bad yeah. because it, you know yeah a lot of people mistook being gay for being a pedophile it's like no i'm just a guy who's attracted to guys uh but then when you're having this in there attracted to young young little boys under age i would like to see more gays come out i mean there there is gays against groomers who also get not only gets uh, their accounts shut down they're getting their bank accounts shut down from paypal and venmo and whatever maybe jp morgan chase i don't know what they go through uh so it, it's taking there, there are white pills, there is black pills. And it really gets to the point where I, I think if you're, if you're using the pill analogy, or if I'm using the pill analogy, that you, in order to take the white pill, we're going to have to deal with a couple of black pills first. And it's going to get to the point where it's going to blow up to the point of parents, those, those people that you say that, like, I didn't know this was going on. Well, when they start figuring out what's going on, then the backlash happens. But will it be too late? That's what I'm wondering, is that the the culture war has been won by the progressives for about 60 years, that they have won essentially since the summer of love uh, all the way through the summer of love in 2020. <laughs> and they won a lot of those. And, and people on the right and Republicans, whatever, whatever you want to call anybody who's non, not on the left, was just like, look, I don't care about culture. I just care about we'll win elections and we care about our integrity and everything. I'm like, I, I get that. And libertarians always talk about their libertarian theory. And I, I think there's a lot of great libertarian think tanks. But the problem is it's not winning elections and it's not really doing anything in the culture. You can tell people to read Murray Rothbard and read up on her Hans Hermann Hoppe. That's great. 
they're not going to listen. It's not going to happen. And that's why then when you all of a sudden see, wait a second, we've changed the term pedophile to minor attractive person. Well, why, why am I just hearing about this? You're like, well, it's been going on for several years, but you decided you didn't want to fight in the culture war until it was too late. Same with critical race theory. Mm-hmm. They've got pushed back finally. The problem is, again, people are getting debanked. And the most terrifying part besides that, besides literally losing your bank account because of your political opinions, um, is the parents getting arrested at school board meetings. Like the pro-life people, these pro-life people that have been holding like rallies and stuff, non-violent things, and they're getting arrested. People are showing up, the FBI is showing up their house and arresting these pro-life parents not putting them on trial yet, just sitting in jail. And basically we have the entire system and apparatus against everyone that opposes basically evil stuff, like chopping off kids' tits and basically teaching them all that white people are all racist scumbags. And that's what's tough is like, you have this, is it too late? (laughs) You know, is it too late now that we have everyone in the, political everyone in the government is basically already has their you know henchmen in place to take care of any little group that pops up here and there kind well, of shut I, it down. I think the best part is that we do have the internet and if people that's the one thing is is framing conversations in certain ways that do not reach the algorithms where you can get your word out without being blatant about it and getting banned from certain places. I think that's a a real, real good thing. And that more people know about these conspiracy theories that have eventually come true. I mean, if you weren't banned in 2020 from talking about, hey, guys, uh, it seems like this virus is affecting uh, overweight people and old people. And that if you're a healthy 25 year old who runs you know, 25 miles a week. I think you're going to be okay. Oh, uh, misinformation. It's come out that, yeah, no, it's, you were, you were fine. And uh, I, Hey guys, it seems like this uh, vaccine is not really much of a vaccine because I, it, it seems like people are having some heart problems if they're, if anything. Uh, and the, that's the worst case scenario. And the best case scenario is that they're really not working and people who are getting uh, I think seems some, seems like some people could get sick. Uh, with COVID after getting this. Oh, that's missing. Well, here we are. So it just takes a few months for people to realize and jump on board. So is it too late? In some ways, maybe. But I think that governor's race in Virginia last year, where uh, you had Merrick Garland calling people, parents going to school board meetings and upset about what's happening in these schools, calling them domestic terrorists. And you had uh, Glenn Youngkin versus Terry McAuliffe. And McAuliffe for governor says, yeah, I don't think parents have a right to, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think parents have a right to what their kids do in schools. And I think it should be up to the schools, the school boards, and the teachers unions about what the kids should learn. And the parents should just kind of stay out of the way. And even left-wing parents, even like people in Loudoun County in a blue area were like, uh-uh, no, 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 no. You are not good. No, 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 no. You do not own my child. But that's the way these government schools feel is we own your kids. You are the landlord. You are the RA for the kids but school is their home you're just you know when they you know it's just like being on a college campus is that you're going you go back to your dorm you sleep for a little bit you maybe unwind a little and then you go back to your government school and so these a lot of these teachers and the teachers unions all the way up to randy weigarten feel that now we own your kids you don't even though you gave birth to them you're just you're just the birthing canal 
for uh, for having a kid. <laughs> now, once it pops out, if, if you haven't aborted it already that we encourage, then uh, we're uh, we own them. It's true. Uh, Christopher Rufo has done a lot of good work for that. He's basically exposed all of the government school stuff. And he's constantly pushing for, you know, school choice and funding students and funding kids as opposed to basically funding teachers unions and institutions that are openly teaching Marxist indoctrination, indoctrination programs. Like it's, it's been a really cool, whatever pill you want to call it in the last probably year. Um, it feels like society had to kind of collapse on every possible thing with the economy, um, people's losing their jobs, families, whatever the last few years to get to the point where people are like, kind of like, okay, I guess we have to do something now. Um, like Glenn Youngkin, I think was, uh, campaigning this week out here in Oregon for, uh, our Republican governor candidate, Christine Drazen. And it was a packed house. Like I didn't go to it. It was a couple hours South, but it was, it was encouraging to see like people that are basically were like, leave, leave us alone. Let us have our families, and our jobs to now they're all mobilizing and going like, no, <clears throat> you're not going to just turn our kids into gay little communist trans kids. <laughs> like we're going to actually have a say in our kids development, what they want to be taught. Our kids lost two years of education. They can't, they, they read it uh, two grades below what they should be doing. They can't do basic math. They have no social skills. We don't need to be teaching them all this other nonsense. Like it's really fun to see these parents mobilizing. And maybe it does take a few governor wins. Like, I don't know. There's Pennsylvania's a big one. I know um, Oregon's a big one, but it's it's been a crazy few years and it's interesting to see kind of where it's gonna go. It starts local um, is what it is. It's it's that 100%. federalism. It's where did did the Roe versus did the Dobbs decision ban abortion in 50 states? No. What it did is it left them to the states. And if you want to go to California to abort your baby, that's just about to be born anyways, then go for it. But mm, Mississippi will probably say, yeah, no, then you might have to go to another sanctuary state for abortion. So it starts out local, but even more local than states. It has to be in your local communities where you have people in city council. You, uh, the, the, one of the big things is, is these school boards have changed over too. A lot of them, they've gotten these radical uh, she, her, they, them uh, out of these school boards and said, no, we're going to actually have parents and have people who are invested in these communities and wanting things changed uh, it, happening. And it's happening all over the country. It just doesn't get news because again, doesn't fit the media narrative. So of course. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited in my district where I live. Joe Kent is the candidate and he's kind of become a big right wing celebrity. I don't know if you know who he is or not. No. Uh, he's on Steve Bannon's war room all the time. He's a Trump endorsed guy. Okay. He was a 20 year play for the San Francisco Giants back in the late 90s. <laughs> no, that was Jeff Kent. Yes. Second- <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, he's a great he's a great uh, pushback. Um, to like the left-wing stuff around here, especially. Um, but like going back to the internet and stuff and trying to wake people up or trying to alert people, you mentioned earlier, I post things like good morning or I'll post like wild videos of like good afternoon, like just something simple that kind of gets along from the algorithms. And it might be a video of some Asian getting his ass kicked in the subway. Like it'll be something where I can post this video and it won't get flagged immediately. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because uh, in 2020 and 2021, I was constantly posting uh, COVID-1984 because <clears throat> in Portland, <laughs> in Portland, uh, 
our local government went off the rails and basically went full dictator. You're not allowed to do anything without our permission. And I basically haven't grown my Instagram or Twitter in probably two years. I'll get a few followers here, a few followers there, but I've noticed that my things get constantly shared now. I get a lot more views. But I've noticed that. I, I've noticed that too. Yeah, like on reels and stuff like that. You you'll get a lot of interaction. People are just kind of afraid of retweeting it because they don't want to be attached. Yeah, I get it. I'm not afraid to say it. So whatever. Yeah, this is a this is a classic of the uh, guy yelling in an IHOP with his daughter. I don't even know what he was yelling about. And all the white people were wearing masks. Yep, of course. <laughs> this is a great. So uh, as we wrap up the podcast, uh, this is your uh, Twitter account that I have on the um, uh, YouTube page for people who are watching the video, but it's uh, Chris Clark 503. Um, and yeah, Instagram, Chris Clark 503. Is that uh, that's basically the best way anyone wants to get a hold of you and check out your yeah. content? Yeah, sure. All right. Well, uh, anything else you want to plug here? That's it for now. I appreciate you having me. Um, I'm sure I'll be talking to you at some point again soon, very soon. We could uh, keep talking. I mean, what we're talking about right now, we've done in a little over an hour. I, we could do about seven more podcasts to not run out of material. Oh, 100%. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be starting up my own podcast here soon individually. So I'll love, love to have you on at some point too. Absolutely. Well, cool. Chris Clark, thank thank you so much. And uh, again, nice putting a face to to the uh, the Twitter account and the voice and everything. And yeah, I look forward to hearing your podcast eventually. And uh, again, I encourage everybody to go check them out on social media. It's such a great follow. Thanks, man.